mind they sang that song, and I was like, man, I haven't heard that song in a long time. So it's a great little toe tapper and so forth. And uh, as I was listening uh, online to the guys uh, yesterday, to Dad and John and Ted and then this morning, Alex, um, I was just kind of really reminded of some things that we need to remember as we kind of move forward and as we go forward and as we think about things and consider things. And uh, Philippians 3 verse 1, this morning I was listening to Alex and this verse came to my mind. Uh, Philippians 3 verse 1, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord to write the same things to you to me, indeed, is not grievous, but for you, it is safe. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the morning. We thank you for your word. We thank you for all that you've given to us in your Son. And Lord, I just pray that we would take all of that into our hearts and have that be what guides us and have that be what runs our lives so that we can put your life on display in our lives. In your name we pray. Amen. You'll notice the issue there where Paul talks there about to write the same things to you, isn't a problem, it's what? It's safe. And we sometimes need to be reminded of where our safety is. And the spiritual issues that come here as we move forward and as we look at things over the next coming weeks, I've got a whole list of where I'd like us to go and look at and think about has to do with the issues of being safe and has to do with issues that we should all know and that we should all have operating and functioning in our lives. And if you don't have and they're not operating, then learn and then do and get there and, and grow and grow up into Christ, Ephesians says. And the interesting thing is, is... <laughs> I feel sometimes like I fail you because I don't think I'm communicating some of this as clearly as I should be and as need, needed to be. And I do that. Again, that, I, I heard Dad one time. He said, you know, when you preach, you don't need to kick people. They kick themselves pretty good. Just preach the truth. And I kick myself pretty good, so I don't need you doing it. So don't do it, okay? Please. Thank you. Okay? But what I do need, I, I do think, and as we look at things and as we see the world about us changing, our culture changing, uh, to kind of keep the hysteria on our part down. You know, there's no reason, there's no need to say, hey, are you woke? There's no call for that. I know you're kidding, and, but no, there's not, because what has happened? You've allowed the secular culture to invade into your thinking. We had a great discussion this morning on the way in about what's happening in Florida with Disney and all of that. And there's a, there's a big financial fallout coming to that state that they don't realize yet. And they're trying to be something and do and stand. And when that happens, then they're gonna, it's going to dawn on them that, well, maybe we overreacted a little quick. And that's okay. That's for them. That's their business. But when I look at us and I think about us and, I, and, and us understanding, when we look at the world and we look at things and how things are changing, that really, what, well, look at Ephesians 6. Ephesians 6, 
look, if you will, verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle against flesh and blood and against principalities and powers and against the rulers. Did I, did I, I miss a word, didn't I? Okay. No, we don't wrestle against who? Flesh and blood. Who are we wrestling against? Spiritual wickedness, spiritual darkness. You see, when you look around the culture and you see it changing and you see things moving, we've, we've talked in the past about in the winter time, and we're coming out of the winter. We're about to go into the spring. The, the clock's ticked 25 years since it, uh, the winter time started when you look at the calendar of the historical events. As we move into the spring, it's going to look different than we've ever looked before. And I'm going to be honest with you. You and I are going to have to be able to articulate what we believe. Okay? Yesterday out at the swap meet, we had a lady walk by. Uh, Tim handed her a tract. She said, no, thank you. I already know everything. I'm 68 years old, and I know everything. But you know what, though? If you ask her about Jesus Christ, she knows nothing. Probably. She wouldn't give us a chance to ask her about Christ because she kept moving. And so we are going to have to be able to articulate what we believe. Because we're in a world, we're moving into a generation of young college people that know nothing about what the Bible says about anything. They don't know. So you and I... Instead of, oh, you're woke, stand up and say, Christ died for you and was buried and rose again the third day. That's what you need to know. See, what happens is, is we get sucked into what's going on. I heard a guy the other day, tremendous what's going to come. He's on our radio here locally. He's talking about the fallout from the LGBTQ and all that gender stuff on a economic basis and how that they're going after Christianity, Judeo-Christianity and the belief system and everything and how they're attack, attack, attack and yet they are failing to understand that the reason that they are not murdered and killed in this country is because of Judeo-Christianity values. Because what did we write laws years ago that says what? Thou shalt not murder. Do you know that when you go into other countries in this world, if you claim to be of a different persuasion or of, of the homosexuality, you are killed instantly. There's no trial. There's no Why? Because Christianity isn't there. The values that are Christian, they call them. The, you, you guys remember, maybe some of you do, some of, the, moral, the moral authority and the moral, you know, uh, moral majority. See, I can't even remember. <laughs> Okay, And everybody, oh, those guys are bad news. Yeah, but look at what they did in their culture. Long gone are the first Presbyterian hospital of. That's gone. Can't have that name because boom. And yet, who is the ones that cares? I was reading about Rome in the first century, Paul's day. And in Paul's day in Rome, Rome... You think the pandemic that we went through was bad. Rome, it was worse. The hierarchy, the elders, the Congress, they were taking their loved ones and just leaving them in the street to die. That's how they dealt with it. 
There was a pandemic after pandemic after pandemic because what were they doing? They were going off conquering and coming, bringing slavery, slaves back and things back that were containing diseases, and it just ran through that nation. And you know who they blamed? Christians. But you know who was sitting there ministering to the, Christ, to the sick? Christians. Members of the church, the body of Christ who come in and say, you know what, I love you. I love you as a future member of the body of Christ. And here, and boom, and they take care of them. It's tremendous. And see, we sit over here because we've had it easy. And we have. The easy is over. And we need to be able to articulate what we believe. Come over to 2 Corinthians 11. And folks, I believe that we need to understand what's happening, why the world is leaving the very foundations that, we, that have been laid over the years and the centuries. And as we begin to think about that, and that there's some things that we should know and, and some things that we should understand about what's happening, why they're happening, who's behind it, the, the whole of it. And, and what, what I don't want, while I don't want to just you know, bore you, and again, sometimes I feel sometimes like I'm just letting you down. You need to understand this so that when you have to talk to a neighbor that sees you go every Sunday morning to church, by the way, I hope your neighbors see you do that. I hope you do that. Put the life of Christ on display. That's your job. Oh, no, hide it over here under? No. Your job is to, be, is to have his life flow out through your life. Then come and ask you, are you a Mormon? My neighbor asked me this. Are you a Mormon? No, I'm not a Mormon. He's like, well, I see you go every Sunday morning with a briefcase and a shirt and a tie and a coat. And I see your family go. And I just assumed. I said, that's fine, but I am not. He goes, then what are you? And I said, I'm a saint of the Most High God. I'm a believer of the Bible. And I believe that... The Lord Jesus Christ loved me enough to die for me. And I gave the guy the gospel in like a minute and a half. And he was like, okay, I didn't ask for all that. You could see the look on his face. And I said, I'd love to sit with you and spend some time with you and your wife. And he said, okay, great. That man's been over to the house now. He's, brought, he's a green thumber guy. He grows things. He's come over. He's helped. He's done. And I've had just a chance to talk to him. I'm not pressing anything on him. I'm not saying you got to join my church or do this. I'm talking about his what? His soul. Come to find out he's in that unchurched category. That's a big group now. We have to be able to articulate what we believe. We have to be able to articulate some things. Billy Graham, you guys know who he was. He's gone with the Lord now. He was asked to to come, and they were honoring him for his 93rd birthday. And he, in his later years, he didn't have much memory about a lot of things because of the diseases he had. And but he was also a very private man. He always was, really. So he goes and he goes and he speaks at this luncheon birthday thing that they had to him. And I just want to read just what he said, just real quick. He goes, I'm reminded today of Albert Einstein, the great physicist who this month has been honored by time as the man of the century. So that was some time ago. Einstein was once traveling from Princeton on a train when the conductor came down the aisle, punching the tickets of every passenger. 
when he came to Einstein, Einstein reached in his vest pocket. He couldn't find his ticket, so he reached in his trouser pocket. He wasn't there. He goes to his briefcase, but he couldn't find it. Then he looked in the seat beside him. He still couldn't find it. The conductor said, Dr. Einstein, I know who you are. We all know who you are. I'm sure you bought a ticket. Don't worry about it. Einstein nodded uh, appreciatively, and the conductor continued down the aisle, punching the tickets. And as he was ready to leave the car, he turned and saw the great physician down on his hands and knees, looking under his seat for his ticket. The conductor went back and said, Dr. Einstein, don't worry. I know who you are. It's no problem. You don't need a ticket. I'm sure you bought one. Einstein looked at him and said, young man, I know. I too know who I am. What I don't know is where I'm going. Now you think about that. Billy Graham, having said this, goes on and he says, see the suit I'm wearing? It's a brand new suit. My children and my grandchildren are telling me I've gotten a little slovenly my old age I used to be a bit more fastidious so I went out and bought a new suit for this luncheon and one more occasion you know what that occasion is this is a suit in which I'll be buried in he says but when you hear my I'm dead don't I don't want you to immediately remember the suit I'm wearing I want you to remember this I not only know who I am I also know where I'm going and I read that, and I was like, wow, can you articulate where you're going clearly, succinctly, to the saving knowledge and understanding of who your Savior is, and that have that impact since the Savior found me in someone else's life? When you look at an unsaved person, do you look at them as a potential new member of the church, the body of Christ? That's how you ought to look at them. Not somebody that just cut me off or is trying to get ahead of me. But what are they? They're a a sinner. What do they need to hear? They need to hear the gospel. They need to get saved. They need to come to the knowledge of the truth. And as we move forward, folks, we're going to need to have that ability. We're going to have to say, I know who I am, and I know where I'm going. And I want you to come with me. 2 Corinthians 11, verse number 3, the Apostle Paul says here something very interesting that I think sometimes we get away from, and I don't ever want us to get away from it. And I think this is where I fail you, and I get over in other things, and we go deep, get into the more weightier matters and some deeper things, and this gets lost. He says, but I fear lest by any means as a serpent beguiled Eve. Through his subtility. The serpent did what to Eve? Beguiled. When you beguile someone, what are you doing? You are tricking their mind. They're thinking. You're, you're using enticing words, he'll say in Colossians 2. You're, you, the Satan has a device, and as, a, as the part of the spirit of darkness and the, the prince, the power of the air, and his attack mode, he's got, he is after your thinking. And he will entice your thinking to move away from the simplicity. Though, uh, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that's in Christ. What did he do to Eve? 
He moved her. Not physically. He moved her in what he said to her. He got her thinking incorrectly. He got her thinking improperly. What's he going to do to you and I? Same thing. The simplicity that's in Christ. And this issue of simplicity. And again, as we begin to look at things down the rest of this year and so forth in the next couple months, this has to stick in our minds. Simplicity in Christ. Simplicity. Simple. That issue of really everything that we have in Christ is what? Simple. But not simple in a duh, but simple in a singleness of mind and of heart. It's not complex. These things that we're going to look at, come come back over with me to to Psalms 19. These things that we're going to look at, these are not complex things. Psalms 19. They are, but they are of singleness. Do you know who makes the stuff complex? You do. Religion does. Do you know that to, to religion, you and I are foolish? We are fools. And what religion, what you and I see as the power of God, religion always views faith as being foolish. You think about that. Psalms 19, you've got Psalms now. Verse 7, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. Think about that. The law of the Lord. Now, this is David. It's a Psalm of David. David's writing. So the law, the word of God, the testimonies, the voice of God, the commandments, what are they? Perfect. What do they accomplish? Converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the what? The simple. That, that's not, come over to chapter 119 of Psalms. That's not somebody that's over there, you know, with a handicap that can't figure, you know, A plus or 1 plus 1 is 2. He's not talking, it's not a complex thing. What, what, is, what does the law of the Lord do? How does it function? How does it work? It works and functions on faith. What did Israel have to do to get blessed? Obey. By faith do what? Obey the word. And if they didn't, what was coming their way? Well, the covenant called for cursing. What do you and I have to do? If the word is going to effectually work in our lives, that verse in 1 Thessalonians 2 says, effectually worketh in you that what? Believe. If you're not believing the word of God, then it's not working, and all you're doing is believing in religion. A vain religious system, a vain religious thing. That, that's why for the last 30 some odd years I've been in ministry, everything I've ever said, talked about, comes from a verse of Scripture. I've got my, my opinions and what I think that's fit, but what are we looking at? Scripture. Why? Because I could be wrong in my opinions and my thoughts, but what is never wrong? That verse. Psalms 119. Look at one th- verse 130. Psalms 119, verse 1. The entrance of thy words giveth light. It giveth understanding unto the who? The simple. You come over to Proverbs 14. Proverbs 14. When he talks about simple here, again, he's not talking about someone who can't figure. He's talking about a singleness of thought, not complexed. 
He's talking about being unmixed. Paul looks at Timothy and he says, remember the, that, that unfeigned faith. Unfeigned, not, not mixed up in other things, but that true. That he says, I have a clear conscience, a good conscience towards God and his. Think about that. Proverbs 14, verse 15. The simple believeth every word, but the prudent man look well to his going. Isn't that, now, that's a negative take on simple, because what can happen? You believe everything that comes down the pipe. That's what he's talking about here. What's the prudent man going to do? He's going to study it out, rightly divided, from a King James Bible, study it out, look at it, and go, wow, look at that. Wow, look at that. Look at that verse. You see, the issue is believing the word, because where does God communicate to us in his word? So, 2 Corinthians 11, verse 3, serpent, go to Genesis 3, the serpent beguiled Eve, and he was subtle about it. He didn't come in, look at Genesis 3, he doesn't come in with great fanfare. He doesn't come in with 50,000 YouTube watchers. He doesn't. He doesn't come in with an Instagram following of a half a million. He comes in how? Subtly. Now look at Genesis 3, and we're not going to read the whole passage, but look at verse 1. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, what? Yea, hath God said. There it is. Ye shall not eat of every, of every tree of the garden. And the woman said, and off you go. But what did Satan say? He didn't say, don't you know that that tree over there is really good for you and you should eat it? And there's no dietary, nutritional reason why God would tell you not to say that or eat that. He didn't say that. What does he say? Yea, hath God said. Now, who was Eve? Chapter 1, verse 26 and 27, she's perfect. She's in Christ. She's in the image and the likeness of the Godhead. She has no blemish. She's perfect. But what has happened? Satan popped up and said what? God's word really doesn't say that. You need this better translation. Don't you know that the translators were didn't know? And they begins to do what to you? What does he do to Eve? He causes Eve in the event in the events down to verse seven, he causes her to question the word. He causes her to subtract, to add the water down, and ultimately to deny it. He doesn't pull out a wham bam, thank you, ma'am, woof. Pick a card, any card. He doesn't do it. It's not a trick. That's why coming into this room above the doorbell doors, it says, What saith the scriptures, the simplicity of Christ resides first and foremost in an understanding that we have and the sufficiency of God's word. If you don't believe that, I'm going to ask you, what are you doing here? Come back to 2 Corinthians 11. Don't answer me, please, out loud. Come and see me. What are you doing? If you're going to question the word of God, this is not the place for you. I love you in the Lord. I will see you in heaven's glory one day. 
and I would just wish you to be uh, honest with me, with yourself, and don't come back. Or quit viewing online. I ask that. Because what are we doing? We're about what the Word of God says. We're about what the King James Bible says, rightly divided. Because that's where the Word of God is. Again, I love everyone in the room. I love everybody online. If you don't believe that, I don't want you here. And it's not a want of of animosity or anger or wrath. It's a want of I don't want you here polluting the rest of us. Because my job as pastor, as leader, is to protect this local church. And sometimes protecting it means asking people not to come back. Follow me? Why? Because it's a device of Satan to get in, to root in, and to cause problems. I was just reading the other day. Guy was arguing with the guy, and he sent it. He's looking for help. He doesn't go here. He watches every now and then online. He, I just, I know him. And he says, Rick, how do you handle this when they argue about the comma shouldn't be there? It should be over here because the comma's not in the original. It's over here. And I just said, I said, they're arguing because they don't want the word of God to say what the word of God says. Why does that New King James take Mark 7 and declare that Christ has purified all meats? That's a New King James supposed to be the best, the closest, because they don't like what it says, and they want something else to be the issue. That is an enticement, that is a beguilement, that is something subtle. Why does the word have to be all way and not always? One letter. You know why? Because the King James Bible says it's all way. That's why. Well, back in the original, you got an original? Pull that bad boy out and let's look at it. You don't. But what are you doing? You are questioning. In an arena, you have no business questioning. And I say that. I say it with, boom, there you go, okay? I get off that topic. The thing is, folks, is what is, look at 2 Corinthians 11. Look at verse 3 again. What is... How does Satan, how does the serpent beguile Eve? He comes in and all he says is, is, did God really say that? Notice how he doesn't say God didn't say that. He says, yea, hath God said that? He doesn't say in a better translation it would, should be. Or in the, old, in the original language, it was, he doesn't say that. He just says, Are you sure that that's what God's word says? Now watch verse 4. Because watch Paul tell the Corinthians, tell you and I, how this is going to come about. Watch what he does. Watch him, how he's going to corrupt your minds and move you off of the simplicity that is in Christ. For if he, and the he there is the man, the teacher, the person doing this. Starts back in chapter 10. There's a, whole, there's a man whose whole ministry is to follow Paul around and cause problems. And what the man does is he comes in and he gets the group agitated. And then the next thing you know, he's got a little following going. And then you got a, this side of the room against that side of the room. And Paul's sitting here going, you guys are idiots. 
What are you doing? If he, now watch what he does, that cometh, preacheth another Jesus, whom we have not, what, preached. Do you know that if you preach something that Paul didn't preach, you are to be accursed? Galatians 1, you are to be cut off, you're to be kicked out, you're not to be fellowshiped with, you're to be marked and avoided. Well, Rick, that's a little hard. I didn't say it. God's Word says it. There's a reason why Paul in Philippians will say, you mark us as your ensample. And we're, that's why he would say, hey, continue in the things that you've learned from me and what I've done and my ministry and the message given to me. And you take these guys and you kick them to the curb. There's a reason. You're going to preach another Jesus whom we have not preached. Or if you receive another spirit which ye have not received, or another gospel which ye have not accepted, ye might well bear with him. Think about that. Come over to Galatians 1. You got a, another gospel, another Jesus, another spirit. Do you know that right now there's a thing going around about some of this and, and some of folks that we know? And you know what? People are taking it on and believing it. And it's like, wait a minute. When that verse says that you're dead with Christ and you'll be resurrected with him and to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord and this and things, and you say, no, it's not because that's not what those words mean because over here in the original it means, and you begin to question and cast doubt. You know what you literally do to your foundation as a believer, as someone who is standing strong and secure? You lose your security in Christ. You lose everything you have. Well, no, you don't, Rick. Yes, you do when you play it all the way down to the end conclusion. Galatians 1, verse 6, I marvel that ye are so, and, and soon, that's the word to me that stands out in these verses. It's so soon. That word soon. This didn't take years. This took moments, minutes. It doesn't take forever. You know what it took? It took the Galatians and the guy coming and saying, yeah, I know Paul said that, and yeah, you are justified by faith, but really you've got to do this over here now. You've got to go do Moses to prove you're saved, to stay saved, to get saved. And Paul's like, are you so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel? which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. Think about that. How did Satan get an advantage here? He caused a guy to show up. He's scriptural, but not what? Dispensational. He's over here monkeying with the word. What does Paul say? Verse 8, But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you, then that we pre have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you that ye have, notice, received. That's different than preached. So here you have, you got the two aspects on communication. I am preaching to you. You are sitting there, what? Receiving it. Follow that? So if I'm preaching to you today that your justification is based upon the works of the law, the works of righteousness, what would you say? No. Get out. There's the door. 
leave. That's not doctrinal. That's not sound doctrine. Right? I would hope so. My goodness, man. Don't try to be the Corinthians and be more gracious than any of them. Sometimes you've got to just kick them out. See? I'm preaching wrong. You're receiving it correctly. Follow that? But now I stand over here and I preach to you that Christ died for your sins, was buried and rose again the third day, so that, one, you won't have to spend eternity in the lake of fire, and, two, you have a position in heavenly places and inheritance and something to do. And you sit there and say, no, that's wrong. You know what? You need to get out. You see what Paul's doing there? The preacher's on the line, but so is the receiver. Come on over to Ephesians 4. Folks, this stuff's serious. This is why I want, I, I, I kick myself, I worry about, make, to articulate this, because this is what's coming. What do you mean you said he when it should have been her or they or them? What do you mean when, when you hurt my feelings? I don't care. Do you realize I'm just that woke environment is less than 1% of the population of this country? And it's less than less than half a percent when you dial it all out. And yet they're calling the shots. That's scary. When you and I go up there and say, hey, Christ died for your sins. Here's a track. Can I help you? I know everything already. I don't need that. She's going to burn in hell if she's not saved. And where does she get there? And her wokeness, if you will. You find Ephesians 4? Can you tell I'm a little warm about this? And this is, again, this is for me. I study. I preach to myself. I preach... I went out to the swap meet yesterday. Everybody got there, saw, talked, took a picture. It's on the Facebook page. And then I leave, and I leave the parking lot, and this dude cut me off. I mean, almost trading paint cut off. It wasn't even a little. And I'm sitting there going, doggone it, Joe, what did you do for me? No, it wasn't Joe. I'm just kidding. <laughs> it wasn't Joe. No, I'm sitting there going, all right, Honda. Yeah, use the church key. All right, Honda from Minnesota, let's go. Get out of here. Because they were. It was a Honda from Minnesota. Let's go. Come on. You know? And then I got to the stoplight, and I'm like, you know, Rick, and I preached to myself Romans chapter number 5, Romans chapter number 12, and just scolded myself all up and down. Why? Because that's who I am in Christ. You got Ephesians 4? Look at verse 14. Ephesians 4, he starts there in verse 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, talking about the work, of the, the work of the ministry, the perfecting of the saints. Perfected saints do the work of the ministry. So then if I want to do the work of the ministry, what do I have to be? A perfected saint. That's what 4.12 is saying. But watch verse 14. That we henceforth be, not more, be no more children, what? Tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of what? Of doctrine. What's on the wind? The latest and new doctrine. This is a new thing. Nobody's ever. This is, the, this is something new for the church. It's never seen this before. I would be careful before you toot that horn. Would be wise to go study that out and look at it. And you know what you find out? Ecclesiastes chapter number 1, Solomon's right. 
There's nothing new under the sun out here. It's been out here for a while. Tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. How? By, how am I tossed to and fro? By the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie and wait to deceive. It is Satan, folks. He uses, you go to Colossians 2. Time-wise, I don't have time. Colossians 2, verse 4, verse 8, verse 18, and he lays out for you the mode of attack against you. He lays out for you the slight, the cunning craftiness, whereby men, these are people that do this, Satan is the puppeteer. He's in the background, the power of darkness, and he's manipulating and doing, and he's got this whole course going, and men step in and say, let's go. And men do this because what are they trying to prove? That they got their stuff together. They know more than you. They know better than you. And you know what? Slight craftiness of who? Of men. Galatians 5, or I'm sorry, Galatians 3, we didn't look at it. Over there, verse 1, they were bewitched. Colossians 2, verse 4, they say, Lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. Enticement. Enticing words. You know why the Corinthians liked Apollos? Because he was eloquent in the Scriptures. Paul was rudimentary, root basic. I love that people say, oh, Paul was so rude. See, he's rudimentary. No, elementary, rudimentary, basic. When he preached, he preached so everybody in the room could hit a home run with it. Enticing words. Look at verse 8. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the traditions of men, after the rudiments of the world. So where's the attack going to come from? Well, the end of that verse, and not after Christ. Colossians 2.8. You know what? There's a lot of doctrine out there. I got books on my bookcase here and at home that you know what? A lot of that mess is not after Christ. It's after something man wants to do. And it's sad. Verse 18, verse 16, Let no man therefore judge you in meat, or in drink, or in respect of a holy day, or of the new moon, or of the Sabbath days, a quote right out of Ezekiel 45, talking about the millennial reign of the Lord Jesus Christ in the kingdom. Paul quotes that because that's what's going to happen over there when he's in charge. And he says, don't you let somebody drag you back underneath that law program, Israel's program. You're not that. Verse 18, let no man beguile you of your reward and a voluntary humility and worshiping now think about that. Reward. There is a reward. It's a good thing. There isn't, isn't voluntary. Isn't that a good thing? Yeah, it is. It's good to volunteer and to do. How about humility? That's, you know, that's a good thing to have. How about worship? That's a good thing to have. The problem is, is where are they getting all this from? It says worshiping of angels. They're getting this from an extra-biblical information zone. I went to bed last night, and I woke up with a 10-foot Jesus standing at my bed, and he told me, extra biblical. I'm walking down the street. I'm going camping. I'm doing this. And all of a sudden, a light shined in the pathway, and then I found these golden tablets, and blah, 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 blah. And you know what? 
you go read these guys, you read their histories, nine out of ten of them are con men. And they conned people. And they're conning some of you. That's the problem. And that's where I get, err. Because what are they moving you away from? The simplicity that's in Christ. Ephesians chapter 4. By the way, Colossians 2.19, and not holding the head. Where do we get our information from? The head. Capital H. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. Who is he? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among. There he is. Where do we get our information from? From the Word of God, rightly divided. And for us English talkers, from a King James Bible. That's where we get it from. Ephesians 4. So what are we to do then? As we move around, as we engage, as we talk. I tell you what, if you want to know what's happening in this community, in the community around you, because we all come from all different points, get a stack of Am I Going to Heaven tracks, go stand wherever your city council buildings are, and talk to people. And you'll real quickly know what's going on in your community. You real quickly will know. About once a month, I walk the park, and I talk to the people that are in the park. Now, lately, it's been a, a lot of homeless folks. And I pull the Peter. I don't have any coins or anything, but I have Jesus on them because I don't. I don't carry cash too much anymore. Why? Because of wokeism. I don't know. Because of COVID. Who knows? Whatever. Okay. You know what I found out by talking to the folks that live in this park over here, that reside in this park, that take their dogs to this park? You know what I found out? They're lost. They have no clue what we talk about and teach here. And you know what you have to do? You have to be able to not answer the questions. Sometimes we worry about that. Oh, I just don't have the answers. No, just articulate what you believe. I've got that slide on there for a reason about, about the evangelistic outing. Just give them the gospel. Let the Word do the work. Let the Holy Spirit do the work. Don't you try to get them somewhere where they're not willing to go. I talked to a gentleman. He's sitting on the park bench over by the skate park up here. I witnessed to, I talked to him. I, I wasn't intending on witnessing to him. I was just out walking because I needed to get and stretch my legs. And he was there, and he said, hey, buddy, you got a dollar? I said, no, man, I sure don't have a dollar. I wish I did. I would. I could help you out. I got a bottle of water because I had two of them on me. I gave him that. I get to talking to him. And you know where we ended up talking? about Christ dying for his sins and you know what he said to me he goes I believe that I trust that and I'm like well welcome to heaven brother and he's like thank you and we got to talking and I get to talking to him about scripture now he's homeless he ain't going to be able to tap in on YouTube So I just talked with him. I said, don't move. I came back, I got him a Bible out of the pew, took him the Bible, took him a cup, the right division chart and the key, stuck it in there, handed it to him. And I made sure the church phone number was on there. 
I don't give them my phone number anymore. I did, and I had a guy that was a stalker type guy, so I don't do that anymore. So I give it to him, and you know what? He's called several times asking questions. Now, he's no longer in our park. He's downtown Phoenix right now. He's homeless. He's moved. He's got it. Actually, he's on his way to California right now because of the heat change. And he says, We're, I'm getting out of town. I'm like, okay, well, keep that book with you. And, he re- and all I did was, I'm just walking the park talking to him. And you know what I found out about that guy? He served four tours in, in Afghanistan. He wasn't in the office filing class. He was down in the trenches, in, in country, as they would say. And I asked him, I said, well, what did you do? Can't you do it? He goes, oh, I had a job lined up. I went to the job I did. I just couldn't be inside because of the PTSD for everything. And I said, well, you know, I'm sorry to hear that. Can they help you? You know, we get into that. And he goes, it doesn't matter. They can give me everything under the moon, and I can talk to everybody, but I just can't be inside because of some stuff he went through. And he didn't share with me. And I said, well, I got a guy that will love you no matter what, and he's there for you. And I began to talk to him about things, about who he was now in Christ, and the lights, you can just see the, the go on. I don't know if I'll ever see that man again. But you know what? You got Ephesians 4? Did I tell you that? Look at Ephesians 1. And this is where that orange sheet comes in for you. Ephesians 1, verse 3. I read this man, this verse. I said, listen, what I want you to do is do something for me. I gave him a pen. I gave him a pad of paper. And I said, I want you to do something for me as you travel. When you're having the hardest days and heart down and it's tough, I need you to remember Ephesians 1, verse 3. And he goes, okay. Now, I could have took him to Colossians 2, 9, and 10 about being complete in Christ. By the way, we ended up, we do get there, okay? And I said, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who? Who's doing this? God the Father is doing this. Not the Son, the Father. He's doing this to you in the Son because you are in his Son hath blessed you with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You know what that man knew? He knew that he was, un, he was ungodly. He knew he was a sinner. He knew he was God's enemy. He knew he was condemned. He knew he was under death penalty. He knew he was cursed. He knew he was dead in sin. He knew that. And he also knew that Christ died for that condition. And that by faith, just trusting him, then he was crucified with Christ, he was buried with Christ, he was risen with Christ, he was alive with Christ, he ascended with Christ, he's seated with Christ, he's a joint heir with Christ, he's indwelt by the Godhead, he's beloved of God, he's a saint, he's now dead to sin, he's under grace, he's free from condemnation, he's a son, and we went right down through that list you've got. And you know what that man did? He hugged my neck. And I said, don't hug me. Hug the book. And he know what he told me? He says, I, 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 I'm going. You won't see me. His name's Bill. That's all I could get out of him. 
And I said, where are you going? He goes, I don't know, but it's got to be cooler weather because I just can't take the heat because I can't be inside. And I said, well, wherever you go, you got the phone number. But better than that, you got God's word. And you're beginning to understand who you are in Christ. I told him, I said, you know what you have? You have peace with God. You have his atonement. You have his eternal life. You have his mind. You're blessed with all spiritual blessings. You have a holy calling. You have a hope laid up in heaven. That's what you have. And you're confirmed to the end. And we went through that. And boy, I tell you what, the simplicity that is in Christ. He told me, he says, I always was, was bummed out about my predicament. He goes, I hate labels. I hate being labeled homeless. He goes, I am, but because of, not because of a lack of my ability. He goes, I hate the PTSD stuff. He goes, I hate that stuff because they put me in holes. They pigeonhole it, and they try to do this and that. He says, no. He goes, I'm a, I'm a serviceman. I served four tours, in the, and he gave me the battalion, you know, Marine Corps, you know, right in the middle of all of it, you know. And I just, I just sat, what am I going to say? <laughs> I'm nobody. But we talked about who Christ was, and that's the point. What are we to do then? We're not in that predicament. I told him, I said, things are going to come up. You're gonna, I said, you go right back to that book, and you go Romans to Philemon. Read it. The last day when I saw him the last time, I saw him a little later, but he wasn't where we could talk. He took that pew Bible, and he said, this is now my prized possession. He goes, the rest of it I don't care about. I'm like, wow. Some of you don't say that. Some of you say, I like this, and we'll just ignore that. You know how you don't do that? You, you do that by renewing your mind. Look over with me just quickly, Colossians, Colossians 3. You see, folks, you know how I knew that guy? I got out there and started talking to people. And you know what I learned? <laughs> death is death to everybody. Life is life. And you know what most people are looking for? Life. And you and I have the life in Christ Jesus. And you know what we tend to do? Eh, that's good, but I'm over here now. And Paul says, how dare you leave the simplicity that's in Christ? Colossians 3, verse 10, he says, And have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. You see that renewed in knowledge? Do you know where you get the renewing of your mind? Do you know where you get the renewing of your spirit? You don't get it on YouTube. You don't get it on Instagram. You don't get it on Facebook. You know where you get it? You get it from the Word of God, rightly divided, from a King James Bible, preached and taught in a local church, the pillar and the ground of the truth. And I'll be honest with you, things are changing. 
Things are slipping. And where we need to be is we need to be able to articulate that sheet. You ought to know every, when I said there's a mistake on here, you should have been able to glance down and find it already. How many of you found the mistake? Okay. See? You should know the verses. Know what's happening. As we begin to discuss some topics coming, again, I got a list of them. <laughs> We're going to do it with the issue of the simplicity in mind because that's where it starts. You know, you can go deep. You can get in and you can dig and you can, you know, the deep things of God and know, but man, when you leave the simplicity of who you are in Christ, of everything, it, then you're digging in the marsh pit of self-righteousness. Where do you need to be? You need to be in the heavenly places with Christ. You're already seated there. Just bring that into the reality of your own mind. The simplicity that's in Christ. Satan's going to try to move you away from it. We'll talk about all that. But God's equipped you to be able to stand and not be moved, not be shaken, not be pulled away in every aspect of your life. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the morning, Lord. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the simplicity. For if it was complicated, we would never be able to get it. We thank you for that. We thank you for everything that the Father has done for us in you. We thank you for the testimony of your word to that effect. And Lord, I just pray that in our hearts and our minds, as we here think about things and and entertain ideas and, and look at different things that the standard is you and our lives in you. And we'll give you the praise and the glory and the honor. In your name we pray. Amen.